created live on Fireside. Cookery by the book Unplugged, created live on Fireside. Tonight, the man, the myth, and the legend behind store-bought is fine, and Instagram and food blog where he's cooking through every single one of Ina Garden's recipes. Trent Pfeiffer is my guest on Cookery by the Book Unplugged on Fireside from New York City. Welcome, Trent. Hi, Susie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk again. Yay. So before we get started, I want to go down memory lane. <laughs> and I want to talk about 2016 when I was in the audience at Brooklyn Academy of Music, we call it BAM here in New York City, for a cookbook talk with Ina Garden for cooking with Jeffrey. And they took questions. And someone stood up and talked about store-bought is fine. And our whole row looked at each other. And we were like, who is that? We need to follow him on Instagram. What is this? So can you talk a little bit about that? So I was actually traveling. I was so upset. This was the first, uh, since I had started this project, this was the first time I was going to get to see Ina Garten in person. And it was with Tina Fey. Like, how better, how much better could that be? (laughs) And I looked at my calendar and realized that I was actually out of the country for the trip. So I didn't end up getting tickets to it. Um, But my friend Hassani did. And she, I was getting, um, off the plane and my phone just started blowing up and I was like, Oh God, what is happening? Like I, I was worried that something bad had happened getting attacked, like a bunch of new followers. And Hassani was like, I just stood up in front of the whole audience and told Ina Garden about your, uh, your Instagram account. And I was like shocked and like so excited. And she said, like she said that Ina said that she would check it out. And, uh, that was yes. like the first thing that really, I think I had been doing the project for, maybe a little over a year at that time or, and that was the first like hit where I I started to get a lot more followers from that. I hope you paid her like a good dinner or not not only a good dinner. She gets free meals for life. (laughs) You can't pay for that kind of publicity. (laughs) No, it was brilliant. So let's, start off with a little overview of America's Queen of Cookbooks, Ina Garden. For anyone who's not familiar with her, can you tell us a little bit about Ina? I I have been uh, practicing my elevator pitch on Ina for uh, about six years now, so I hope I can do uh, a quick overview justice. Um, So Ina Garden is uh, an American home cook uh, who started her career, and I always love throwing this in, in the Ford White House as a nuclear budget analyst. Um, From there, she uh, purchased a specialty uh, store in the Hamptons called the Barefoot Contessa uh, and successfully ran that for 20 years uh, before selling. And then for the past uh, 20 years, she's been writing cookbook after cookbook after cookbook. Uh, I think she's up to 12 uh, best-selling cookbooks. Um, and then I think in 2003, 2004, uh, she joined the new, uh, the Food Network uh, with her own show as one of their biggest stars. So that's my elevator pitch of Ina. <laughs> you know, I've been trying to put my finger on exactly what Ina's appeal is. So she's she waits on her husband, Jeffrey, hand and foot, but it's not about domesticity. It's never been about the woman's place being in the kitchen. It's less sexist and definitely more sexy, I think. Although Ina is wealthy and we have a front row seat into her fabulous Hamptons home and lifestyle. It's not about wealth, kind of in the way that Martha Stewart's brand 
is about wealth. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, first of all, I would be so intimidated to be in the kitchen uh, cooking with Martha Stewart. Uh, and I, I, I think that uh, that really gets to Ina's uh, is kind of on the flip side. I, I think the appeal of Ina is that she's aspirational, but she's still approachable. Uh, I mean, most people that I talk to or most fans of hers have said at one point, I feel like we're friends. We, we've gone to parties with her for years. Um, I think we all do kind of want to be friends with her. And it's not about her wealth or her money. It's that she seems to be having the most fun of absolutely anyone. Um, and while she takes cooking very seriously, I do think that she wants to inspire people to get into the kitchen um, to show that it can be fun. Um, so I do think it's that approachable, we want to be friends, we're in on the jokes with her at our parties, things like that, that uh, have really endeared her to, I mean, from I people, I talk to 10-year-olds and I talk to 80-year-olds uh, that all have the same affection um, and love for Ina. Um, and I mean, don't even get me started about her and Jeffrey's relationship. It's such... Uh, it's such a there's so much mutual love and support. Um, and like you said, she cooks for him because she wants to, not because he demands it in uh, a generation that that might not have been as common. And he's been just so supportive of her career moves along the way. And I think that's been a, a part of the key to the, her success is that she has such a great support system. So in terms of you, why Ina and how did your cooking journey begin six years ago? Um, so to be honest, I didn't really grow up cooking. Uh, I did cook a little bit with my mom and grandma, but it wasn't something that I had a, uh, much interest and then went off to college and it was ramen, uh, I think as most college students eat. Uh, and then following that, it was New York City and there are so many great uh, options here to eat that if I was eating in, I was going to the Trader Joe's frozen food section, warming something up in my microwave. So that was that was the uh, culinary ability I had leading up to this. Um, but about six years ago, I picked up uh, Julia Child's My Life in France. And the way she wrote about food and her love of food was so infectious that I, I, I immediately had to get in the kitchen. Um, and it was about this time that my roommates and I were binge watching the Barefoot Contessa. We weren't making any of the shows. Again, I think that goes back to uh, the idea that you want to be friends with her. So essentially, we were just hanging out with the Barefoot Contessa. We weren't cooking any of the recipes. Um, but after reading my life in France, I decided to get in the kitchen and realized I didn't know the first thing about cooking. Um, I was making a ton of online recipes um, that hadn't been tested. And because I was new to cooking, I was failing left and right. Um, I had made a few of Ina's recipes throughout this time, um, but it was after a particularly bad, I had made a cauliflower um, Alfredo sauce, which was absolutely disgusting. Um, <laughs> that I, I, I said, you know what, maybe I should go back to cooking school per se. I mean, who doesn't love Meryl Streep and who doesn't love Julie and Julia, the movie? Um, so I thought maybe I would Julie and Julia my way through all of Ina Garten's recipes because I had realized over the summer that the one person who had never let me down, I had made her gazpacho, her, her baked uh, shrimp scampi, never let me down was Ina Garten. So not long after, after a friend's uh, encouragement, uh, I got the uh, Instagram handle store-bought is fine um, and started cooking my way through. And now I've been at it for six years, which is 
hard to believe. <laughs> That's crazy. Your first recipe, number one, was lentil sausage soup from Barefoot in Paris. Yep. How did you choose this first recipe? Um, in all honesty, there was little to no thought put behind the first recipe. Uh, it's probably what I had made the week before. I mean, leading up to launching the project, I'd been cooking, like I had kind of had the idea that I was going to only cook Ina's recipes. So I had started cooking some of them. Um, so it was probably just what I was craving. Uh, I started this project in October, so it was probably a little cool out. And that's soup season, and who doesn't love the combination of sausage and lentils? Um, so really no thought put behind the first recipe. Um, I've gotten much better about planning out my posts. So I was flipping through your Instagram. Store-bought is fine. And um, I'm nosy, so I wanted to see what you did for your <laughs> thousandth recipe. And it was an over-the-top seafood platter out of Barefoot in Paris. It was truly stunning. And I would love to know why you chose that one. And a thousand. That's crazy. I can't even wrap my head around. I've done the recipes and I can't wrap my head around that. You know what? There's like I I try to celebrate any milestone because when I first started this, I never thought I would last more than a couple months and maybe 35 recipes. So I try to celebrate any milestone. So whenever I hit 100 more recipes or a year, another year in the project, I try to celebrate in 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 one way or another. But there are two huge milestones in this, and I always thought that 1,000 was a huge milestone, and then finishing the final recipe will be the other milestone. So I wanted to celebrate in a huge way. And um, I originally had a plan to have a big party with all of my friends uh, to celebrate, but Corona had other plans for that. So it was just me and my friend. We popped a couple bottles of champagne and just feasted on a luxurious buffet of lobster and shrimp and oysters and crab. Um, There were three different kinds of uh, dipping sauce. It was just a a fabulous way to celebrate. It was pricey, it was excessive, and a perfect way to spend a Sunday night. And Ina even commented. I, I I still can't get past whenever she, like, it still doesn't feel like, I was like, is this real life that she commented on? <laughs> I was like, Ina, Garten, what knows, did she Ina say? Garten knows who I am. I actually can't remember what she said for that one. I think it was just congratulations and some emojis. Um, one of the ones that I do remember is I, for Halloween every year, I Photoshop Ina, Jeffrey, and myself into a new Halloween costume. Um, and this year was now I'm blanking, uh, first wives club and, uh, Ina's was Goldie Hawn and she, Ina commented on that and she's like, Oh man, I think I look good as a blonde. (laughs) So that's been my favorite comment to date. How often does she comment? Um, as of late, pretty regularly, it would happen like every couple months, but I like, there was a period between, uh, December and, February that she was commenting once a week or so. I was like, what's going on in Ina world? I was like, pin- yeah, I was That's like the cute. pandemic. She's really bored sitting in her house. So you wrote uh, when you first started the blog, you were interested in food and cooking, but not sure where to start. And I thought the very same thing when I started this podcast. It has taught me how to cook along the way. So do you find yourself a better cook now, a better home cook um, after making over a thousand recipes? 100%. This was truly my cooking education. This is where, I mean, if you would have told me six years ago that 
I could throw together a baked Alaska or make carnitas at home, I would have 100% laughed in your face. And now I can do those things. Like I made meringues yesterday and I'm like on my lunch break. And it's just such a weird world to think in six years you can teach yourself if you're interested. I was a little naive when I first started. And I, I think I started too big. I started with Julia Child's Boof Bourguignon. And if you've ever made that recipe, it's a 10 pager. Uh, but so I don't recommend that being where you start, but I just have so much more confidence in the kitchen. I always thought that the kitchen wasn't meant for me or that I wasn't a good cook. And it was just that I needed to learn how to cook. I needed to learn the basics before I could jump to Booth Bourguignon. <laughs> I'm still a complete mess in the kitchen. I, um, am about to move in with my boyfriend, Alex, and, uh, I'm a little scared. He's seen me, but I'm usually cleaner in the kitchen when he's here. But I am a complete mess in the kitchen, but I have gained a lot of confidence there. So, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine. I mean, I know how it is to do this podcast of mine, and I'm making, like, a couple dishes out of uh, cookbooks every week. But yep. you're making something basically every single day. Yeah, and, I, and I've really tried to find some sort of balance in that. Um, because I didn't want this. This is my, this is a fun project. I don't want to ever hate this. So I, I've really tried to find a, a little bit of balance and trying to do that now, which I think I've found it, but I mean, not having to commute to work during the pandemic, um, has given me two hours a day back in my life, which has been a big help. In the middle of the quarantine, Ina went on Instagram to show us how to make a cocktail in a crisis. And it was literally the biggest Cosmo in a glass I've ever seen. <laughs> I feel like the Cosmopolitan went the way of Carrie Bradshaw and Sex in the City. But Ina has this way of making it feel so au courant and still so chic. I can't tell you what joy that brought to uh, like, I think it was just we were I think we were like two or three weeks into lockdown and seeing that come across at 9 a.m. in the morning. Uh, was really, I think, the levity yeah. <laughs> that we all needed. Um, but to your Cosmo point, I think that's the nice thing about Ina is that she doesn't care about your trends. She will try it if she likes it and thinks that this is something that she'll keep on cooking for the rest of her life. She's all down for that, but she is not going to follow your trends. And if she wants a Cosmo at 10 a.m. on a Wednesday, she's going to have a Cosmo at 10 a.m. on a Wednesday. She doesn't care if anyone else likes it, if it's passe, but I'm like, she's going to bring the Cosmo back. <laughs> God bless her. And I'm going to order when I can get into a bar. I'm having my second vaccine tomorrow yep. and I'm going to go to a bar in a couple weeks and I'm going to order a Cosmo. Perfect. Perfect. I, I watch think that world. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm not I'm not <laughs> the biggest Cosmo fan, but like Ina gave me the opportunity to drink old fashions out of my KitchenAid mixing bowl. So that's that's been my move for most of quarantine. I love how honest you are in the descriptions, like on recipe number 469, artichokes with lemon tarragon aioli. You confessed that you don't love artichokes. So how do you cope with the foods that you just don't like? As for artichokes, I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I see we have some uh, people that agree. Uh, artichokes, they're hard for me. I just don't love them unless they're smothered in cheese. Give me a pizza or a dip and I'm I'm into that. But I will say one of the things that I've loved about this project is it's forced me out of my comfort zone. It's made me try things that I don't wouldn't necessarily try. And sometimes I hate them and sometimes I love them. For the recipes I really know I'm going to hate 
or not hate. I like that. I'm just not a fan of the ingredients. I love a celery root puree, but she has like 20. Who, who loves celery root? I, have you had a good celery puree? It's actually pretty I'm wonderful. Probably <laughs> not like, okay. What's Can you describe it? Um, it's like a different flavored mashed potato. It has more depth to it than mashed potatoes. It has a bunch of, I mean, usually it has a bunch of heavy cream in it. So that helps. Well, yeah. The, okay. I'm there. Yeah. So that's, that's where it is. And I enjoy it, but I only need a bite of it. And she has recipes that make casserole dishes of this. And I'm like, I can't eat more than a spoonful of this. I enjoy it, but I don't, I don't need this much. Um, so I try to cut the recipes in half or quarter them as much as possible. Um, but there's recipes that I would have never made if I didn't have to. Um, she has a sausage and roasted grape recipe that just didn't appeal to me. And it's still one of my favorite surprises um, of it. And I really try to live by the the belief that um, I should try every dish or every ingredient three times at least before I say I dislike it, because it, it could be a case of, I made it incorrectly, or if I'm out at a restaurant, they made it incorrectly, or the ingredients just weren't good. So I always try to uh, try things uh, as many times as possible. Um, I'm still on the lookout, and I say this, I think, every time I talk to anyone. I'm still on the lookout for anchovy recommendations. I still haven't found one that I love. (laughs) Even at Citarella? I have not tried Citarella's. So everyone seems to recommend, oh. I think it's Ortiz. No, but I mean, Citarella has a good uh, selection of them. Oh, I did not know that. See, this is why this is why I mentioned it everywhere. Because yeah. I'm, I, uh, like, everyone's like, you just have to have the good ones. And so I need to get, it, I need, like, I need yeah, that? I was like, it's good vanilla. It's good uh, anchovy. <laughs> um, looks like I'll be making a trip there because uh, I need to try those out. It's right near the flagolet beans, or well, how do you pronounce those? I I'm flagolet flagolet. I have no clue. I have, I, I'm flagolet. just going to go with a super French version. <laughs> Which thank you again. I've been I had been looking for those all over the city, uh, and Susie was so wonderful. She posted about it and told me where they were, uh, and so I had to run down and get those. So thank you again, Susie, for that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so we just talked about how you just rounded the thousand recipe mark. How many more do you have to go? And um, do you have them all planned out? What's this process like? So I have about 200 recipes left, which means I will be done in less than a year. So maybe 11 months or now I'll be finished. So I've gotten real uh, in the weeds on this one because with 200 recipes left, I have to make sure that I'm cooking things that have a short season, like rhubarb and baby uh, baby artichokes uh, when they're in season because I won't have another spring left in this project. So I've actually, I actually have every single month I know what I'm making. Um, for the last 200 recipes for the last 11 months or so of the project. And I think the I mean, the end's going to be a very bittersweet thing. I mean, this has been such a fun part of my life, but it's also been a huge part of my uh, time and everything. And I, I recently warned my boyfriend that uh, get ready for a, a possible breakdown when this is over. Um, I'm going to have to figure out what I'm going to do with all my time. What are you going to do? Um, Right now, I think... 
I want to kind of transition store-bought is fine into my own recipes. For the last couple years, I've been keeping a list of any recipe ideas that have crossed my mind. And these are based on dishes I've had, just ideas that came to me or tweaks on some of my family favorites, like my grandma's red velvet cake. But because this project takes so much of my time um, and honestly my money, uh, I haven't been able to really devote that time to recipe developing. So I, I am very excited. That's the, that's the bright spot to the end of this project is that I can really start focusing on that. I get you with the expensive groceries because even to do two recipes out of each cookbook I have on this podcast every week, it's so expensive. My grocery bill is over $200 a week. Yeah, I mean, I like I I always I'm to a point in the project where I have a lot of expensive ingredients. And I think one of the ones that hurt the most was um, her roast capon recipe. A capon is a castrated um, chicken (laughs) and it makes it much larger. And I think I paid like seventy five dollars for this castrated chicken. Um, And on my walk home, my bag ripped open and the uh, chicken dropped out the bottom of my bag and broke (laughs) its leg on a New York City street. So that was a fun adventure for something I had just paid seventy five dollars for. That poor chicken. I, <laughs> I was like, I was like, add insult to castrated injury on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So I know the Ina cookbook uh, that I go back to time and time again is her first one, the Barefoot Contessa cookbook. It's tattered and it has some pages that are stuck together and it has food on it. And after all this time, it's still my favorite. What cookbook do you think you'll revisit over and over again after all this is done? Or can you not tell us? I can tell you, but first I want to talk to talk about the Barefoot Contessa cookbook because that is one that all of the cookbooks I have tie I have a hard time remembering what recipe is what from what cookbook, but I start to get general feels for cookbooks and whether I really like them and whether I really dislike them. And her first cookbook fell into that category of I didn't love it. And I thought I couldn't figure out why. Like I was like, maybe it's because the recipes are older. I was always like having to cut the portions in half because she was coming from her catering career and the portions were for like 12 people or whatever. Um, But when I finished that book, I think I finished that book. uh, I'm finishing all the books in order. Um, I'm cooking out of them all simultaneously, but finishing the books in order of their release. So when I went to finish that book, I was looking through to pull out my top tens and had such an insanely hard time picking only 10 recipes from that book. And I was like, I don't know what I was thinking. This is such a fabulous cookbook. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I have so many recipes listed here that I love for election day. I did a little stress baking and I made a (laughs) croissant bread pudding. Oh, my God, that is, that is a dream of a recipe. <laughs> oh, it was perfect for the hand-wringing yes, of a day that it, was. It's decadence on decadence. Um, and the beef bourguignon is amazing. I actually, uh, of her two uh, beef bourguignons, that one's my favorite. She has, like, a, a more traditional one, but this one is with filet of beef, and that filet of beef is so tender and delicious, and uh, I'll never make a beef bourguignon another way. But my favorite book is Barefoot Contessa at Home. I think that is the original. I, her new book is Modern Comfort Food. And I really think Barefoot Contessa at Home is the original 
uh, version of modern comfort food. There's so many uh, comforting classics that I, I'll make over and over. So that um, she has like smoked salmon and egg salad tartines, mozzarella and pesto paninis, mushroom lasagna, pumpkin mousse parfait. It's just a whole host of amazing recipes that I found myself going back to again and again. I'm going to have to examine that. It's funny because I'm, ex- I'm excited to finish all because I rate all of the recipes as I go. Um, so I'm excited to aggregate it at the end and see which cookbook had the most uh, five star ratings of the recipes. So then I'll really know what my like uh, objective or subjectively what my or objectively what my favorite is. So I'll let you know. <laughs> I feel I feel like it's going to be barefoot in Paris. I don't know why. I mean, I love that. I mean, that's my happy place. Anything related to Paris and France. And I, I, it's a, it's that book is obviously a labor of love for her because she loves uh, Paris so much. That is a good one. Speaking of Paris. Yes. <laughs> can you tell that story of when you just like happened to run into her in Paris? I will say that Paris is, they always say it's a magical city. I am a true believer after having gone there. I mean, Ina and I live in the same city. I mean, most of the time she's out in the Hamptons and you think I'm in the city all the time. I'll run into her somewhere in New York. But uh, my friends and I had decided to do kind of a food tour of uh, Paris and France. Um, and we spent about five days in Paris. And on the last night, we booked a tasting um, dinner at uh, Verjou. Um, and we walk in and it's a very tiny, it had been on a bunch of lists. It wasn't on any of Ina's lists for her favorite restaurants, but it had been on a bunch of lists. We couldn't get into Septime, which is like one of the hottest tickets in Paris. So we did Verjou and I walk in and the restaurant is no larger than a large living room. And in the corner are Ina and Jeffrey enjoying a meal. And to say I was like the, the color drained from my face, I turned around to my friend and they were like, oh, my God, Trent, what's wrong? And I'm like, oh, my God, Ina and Jeffrey are eating in the corner of the restaurant. And they're like, oh, my God, this isn't this isn't real. So so they, they go and seat us. And our table is facing like in the opposite corner that Ina and Jeffrey's. And I'm like, I have to face away because I can't like I won't enjoy the dinner. I will just be trying to catch glimpses of Ina and Jeffrey enjoying their dinner. So over the course of the next hour, hour and a half. Um, I built up my liquid courage after a wine pairing with all of the tastings. (laughs) Um, And my friend and I made our way over to their table after we had seen that they paid. And I introduced myself and I'm like, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but I'm like one of your biggest fans. And they're like nodding their heads. And I I go, I'm store-bought is fine. I'm cooking my way through all of your recipes. And she, she goes, oh, I heard you were in town. And I was like, oh, my God, how? what is what? this life? What is happening right <laughs> now? <laughs> and I think it was because some of the people that followed me had commented on her Instagram saying we had to meet up. I have no clue how she knew. I didn't ask her at that moment. But we had just a lovely conversation about Paris and our trips and the meal. Um, and, I mean, you always worry when you meet somebody you love so much that you don't actually know that they could never live up to the expectations you have of that person. It's not realistic for any human. But they honestly did. And, like, we had such a cute little conversation there. And I was like, 
would it, would it bother you if we got a picture together? And she's like, we just called a cab. We'll give you the heads up when we're heading out. And as they were leaving, we went outside, got photos. She said, thank you for everything you're doing. And I skipped back to our hotel. It was it was just one of those. It was kismet. It was one of those nights that I'm like, I everyone's like, did you stalk her there? And I was like, how would I have figured out that she was going to be at this restaurant at this? Like all of it just aligned. And it was such a magical moment. And to meet her in the city that she loved so much was just a highlight of my life, actually. <laughs> oh, man. And you have a picture with her, I too. I do. I do. And my boyfriend was so sweet. He reached out to Ina um, this past Christmas and sent her the photo. And she signed the photo of us together. And she got, she signed it, love Ina, or love you, Ina. And I, I was like, I asked him, I was like, did you tell her what to write? And he goes, I'm not going to tell Ina Garten what to write on this. <laughs> So I think I have her seal of <laughs> approval on uh, on this project. Definitely. And for anyone in the audience, um, feel free to raise your hand and you can come up to the stage and ask Trent about any sort of Ina recipe or cookbook or anything having to do with Ina or his life. So um, I know you and Ina love broccolini. Yep. So what other favorite foods do you two have in common? Um, I think one of the obvious ones is chicken. She's obsessed with chicken. Jeffrey is obviously obsessed. He eats it every single Friday. I don't know if I'm that obsessed, but I do think that a good crispy chicken thigh is like my happy place. But I think that's the easy one. I, I would say one of the things that Ina has actually turned me on to is homemade ricotta. Um, this is another thing that if you would have told me before I started this project that I'd, I would only I don't, it's one of the things that I'm like store bought is not fine for homemade ricotta or for ricotta <laughs> store-bought is not fine. And I never realized how simple it was and how drastically different it is from the stuff you get in the store. Um, and she puts it in everything on everything. Um, she has a pasta dish with broccoli, robin pancetta that she adds it to. Um, she puts it on toast. She, she has it in so many of her recipes. And I think that is an obsession that I have that, um, came from Ina. Another one would be her lemon desserts. I mean, she loves lemon. She adds it to half her dish, half of her like cooked dishes, but her lemon meringue tart, her fresh lemon mousse, I'm into all of it. On a non-cooking note, I do uh, share a love of in and out which is, I was surprised to see her um, there with Jennifer Gardner eating burgers and fries. Uh, so that's on a non-cooking front that uh, we share a love of in and out <laughs> <laughs> Ina's she a real is. gal. She is. She is. I think she like. I also. I also want to party with talk? her sometime because I think she knows how to party. I do too. I think she needs to throw you a party when you finish. I mean, this. how amazing would that be? I think I, I could die a happy boy if that. <laughs> so I want to talk about black and white cookies. Um, I just read that Ina searched all over the city for the best black and white cookie while researching for her latest cookbook, Modern Comfort Food. Now, growing up in Kansas, we didn't have black and white cookies, and I don't love them. Can you describe hers and what the allure? I just don't get it. I'm actually from uh, the Midwest. I'm from Ohio and had never had a black and white cookie before moving to the cities until I was 23 or 24. Um, had never right. even heard of a black and white cookie, but they're everywhere. They're everywhere here. And it's so funny because I remember page six of all places did an article about Ina looking for the best black and white cookies. 
Um, and she had named William Greenberg. I think it's on um, Madison Ave as the best. And I had to run over there the next week and make sure that it was the best. And uh, it was delicious. But to be honest, I don't need enough of them to say what's the best. I, I'm happy to walk down to my bodega at the corner and eat one of their black and white cookies. So I might not be the best judge on what uh, is the best black and white cookie. But I do think that the appeal to them is that they're like super soft. They're cake like they have a glaze rather than a frosting. But I think people like them for the fun of it. It's a, a choose your own adventure or a best of both worlds. Um, I actually prefer the vanilla um, icing side to the chocolate icing side. So I love to find people Me that like the chocolate icing side and you split it and share it with a friend. I, I think it's not my favorite cookie, like I said, but it's one of those that it, it's a fun thing and it's a New York thing. And uh, I'm, I'm down for it. I won't say I would never say no to a black and white cookie. You don't like them? No, it's kind of like a cupcake gone bad. <laughs> All the bad parts right? of a cupcake. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it didn't rise. Yeah. You know, that you messed up the frosting and now you have this black and white situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Ina's recipe is great. I don't know if I'll be making it again. I'll, I'll stick to um, I'll stick to my bodega black and whites. <laughs> Me too. <Yeah. laughs> After a long night. Yes. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Speaking of long nights. So lately you've been um, posting Ina cheat days on your Instagram. First, what are those? And then I want to talk about your waffle disco fries. Uh, I can't wait to get to the waffle disco fries. Those are that's my that right there is my happy place. Um, but my Ina cheat days were uh, kind of a concept that I came up with early when I wanted to. For many years, I was just strictly posting Ina Garten recipes. And I wanted to break out of that a little bit. And so I started Ina Cheat Days, which are just days that I am cheating on Ina Garten with other cookbook authors. And it really kind of, I won't say blow up, but it, it got a lot bigger or I started doing it a lot more during quarantine because as we all know, it was hard to find certain ingredients um, in the first couple of months of the pandemic. And so it was out of necessity that I started cooking. I wanted to keep uh, maintain my presence on uh, the Instagram account. So I, I started adding Ina cheat days into a one one day. Uh, one day each week was an Ina cheat day of something else that I was making. And it also I've been doing them a little bit more because I'm at a weird place in the project. There are so many desserts. I've I made three desserts this week and I have nowhere to take them. So, Susie, I might be coming down and dropping them off on your yeah. your steps this Feel, weekend. Just buzz and I'll run down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so to actually cook for actual meals for myself, uh, I've been doing a lot more Ina cheat days and my boyfriend does paleo on and off. Um, and there's I, I don't have a lot of paleo friendly Ina recipes left. So that's that's been the idea behind Ina cheat days. So, OK, I want to hear about the waffle disco fries. Oh, my God. I'm so happy you found the waffle disco fries. Because... Wait, can I first say what you wrote on it? Yep. You wrote going rogue today because Ina doesn't have a disco fries recipe. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> that that might have been the, that that might have been the beginning of Ina cheat days when I went rogue for disco fries. Uh, to be honest, my 20s, I probably survived on vodka soda and late night disco fries. Um, they probably got me through uh, most of my 20s. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, 
Um, Disco fries, I think they originated in New Jersey. And they're a layer of crispy fries topped with some gravy and then some melted cheese. And after a night out drinking, they are the most fabulous thing ever. And they're a staple across all diners um, in in New York City. And um, our favorite version uh, was at Market Diner, which has sadly been torn down since then. But it was this really cool 60s diner that Frank Sinatra used to always go to. Um, and it was just down the street from my my friend's place. And my friend Anthony tipped us off that you could special order the disco fries and they would replace their regular fries with waffle fries. And that was an absolute game changer. But since the market days uh, was torn down, as many things are uh, in New York, I decided that I need to figure out how to make this. I mean, I could. I, I'm sure I could go to another diner, but it's just not the same. Uh, I needed to make my own version. So I, I went out. I bought store-bought waffle fries are fine. Uh, developed a homemade gravy recipe and some melted mozzarella and just went to town. And they were just as good as I remembered from the uh, from Market Diner. And uh, if you haven't had them before, please, I, I need to share it on my stories on Instagram. I'll share the recipe. You need to make it. It's the perfect drunk food, but it's also the perfect I want to eat crap and have a happy, delicious meal <laughs> day, too. So I, I speak for everyone um, when I say it's been a rough, rough year. For me, I doubled down on the cookbook podcast to keep my listeners entertained and inspired in the kitchen. And there were moments when I was so overwhelmed by all the cooking and I just wanted to order in. How was your year of cooking and sticking with the project? I think you called it Quarantina. Yeah, yeah. Um, It came in waves. I think for a lot of people through the pandemic, it's been waves of frantic working and uh, I don't want to do anything. We're ordering seamless. But I, I would say at the beginning of the pandemic, I did something very similar to what you did, where I threw myself into this project. Um, I really think between my boyfriend and this project, those were the two things that really got me through this year. Um, so at the beginning of uh, Quarantina, uh, I started photoshopping images of Ina and I quarantining together. Um, and these were to uh, give some tips on working out at home or us growing uh, <laughs> us growing marijuana in our new marijuana garden or uh, getting drunk off of Cosmos. Um, and all of this helped keep me laughing and added a little levity to life. And I hope I was hoping that with all the unrelenting bad news that it would bring a little happiness and joy to my followers. So that was how I, I kind of threw myself in. And, and that was the period where I was cooking carnitas and I was like, oh, I have so much time to cook and I have so much time to do all of this. But even for somebody that loves to cook, cooking breakfast, lunch and dinner day in and day out gets old, gets so, so old. Oh, yeah. Um, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm not beating myself That's up on image. any of this. Like, order in when you want to order in. If it's a week that you're ordering in, that's fine. Like, I think that all of us have to focus on self-care. And if something's bringing you joy, do it. And if it's not bringing you joy, try not to do it. And you have the option of not doing it, try not to do it. That's kind of how I've been looking at it. Totally. You don't have to make that sourdough. (laughs) You know what? I tried and I failed. Sourdough is not my thing. It's about the fourth time I've tried a sourdough and... uh, it's not happening. So how many more cookbooks do you think Ina has left in her? Um, 
So she's one of the most reliable cookbook authors out there. Um, I think her first cookbook came out in 1999. And I think between like after the second or third one, she got on this cadence of every two years in October, you get a cookbook. It was like clockwork. Uh, I do know that we're getting at least one more. Um, but instead of the two-year break in between Modern Comfort Food and the next one, it'll actually be a three-year break. So I think it's scheduled to be uh, released in 2023, which also happens to be the year that we're getting an Ina memoir. So I don't know if she's doing the three years because she's also writing the memoir, or at this point she just wants to slow it up a bit, which I don't blame her. I mean, two cookbooks, two cookbooks a year, or two cook, or one cookbook every two years is insane output. <laughs> so. Tell me about you developing your own recipes and where you want to go with that. Um, it's been one of those things that, uh, as I said before, I just haven't had the time or the money or any of that to develop my own recipes. But I have been keeping a list um, every time I go out to eat. If there's something that like piques my interest that I want to try to recreate, it gets put in a thing. I have I have this belief that no idea is a bad idea. So I just throw everything in there and I just haven't had the time to explore any of those things um, or adapt some of my family's favorite recipes. So I'm really looking forward to spending some time. I, I think I want to take uh, there have been some cookbook authors recently that have been offering some classes and um, I just really want to get behind. I, I need to get my brain and head around uh, a, a good process because I know that will also be time consuming, but I'm just full of so many ideas. Uh, it's just lacking the time right now to execute on them. So I, I'm hoping over the next year, as I wind on this project, I'll be able to sprinkle in some of the recipes that I've created. And then uh, once uh, I finish all of Ina's recipes, obviously, uh, that'll free me up to start posting a lot of my own recipes. I'm sure I'll still be cooking my Ina cheat days. I, I mean, every day will be an Ina cheat day once I've made all of her recipes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about that. Um, I think there's so much opportunity. And um, I mean, I've been, like over the six years have built such a supportive um, community on Instagram. I mean, the Internet can be such a negative place. And this has been a nice corner that's been happy and supportive. So I'm really excited for um, my followers to kind of see my own take on um, what Ina's taught me. So I think it's a, I, it's crazy to think that in six years you can go from not cooking to uh, getting to a point where you want to develop your own recipes. But I think it shows that cooking's for everyone. That's amazing because I haven't gotten to that point yet. <laughs> <laughs> you will. You will. I, th I, I think it's also... Um, an interest. Do you have it? Like, I think that's also, uh, I think anyone can cook, but do you want to cook? And do you want to develop your own recipes? Because uh, I think most people can do it. It's whether they want to or not. So if anyone has any questions, you can raise your hand and we'll bring you up to the stage. So what is one of your all-time favorite cookbooks, aside from Ina? This one is actually kind of hard because because I didn't grow up cooking. I don't have that one that was like, this was the cookbook that did it all. But I have started, since I've started this project, I have started collecting cookbooks. And um, there are two that come to mind that are kind of my go-tos. One that I've had a while and one that's relatively new. Um, my first favorite is The Food Lab by J. Kenji Lopez-Alt. And this was something that I feel like if you are learning to cook 
and you want to know the why, the science, the reasoning, uh, why you do certain things the way you do to, to, to obtain the best results, this is the cookbook for you. It's really, for me, I haven't made a lot of recipes out of it, but it was my education on why I'm doing what I'm doing and has been a huge, huge help um, in helping me learn how to cook. And then the other one is uh, Tony Tipton Martin's Jubilee, and it's her first cookbook, um, and it celebrates two centuries of African-American cooking. And I that has been my go-to for the last couple months. Um, Everything I've made out of it has been phenomenal. Um, her barbecued shrimp is one of my favorite in there. And I recently, for Good Thursday, made uh, gumbo de herbs, which has um, nine different kinds of greens that are cooked with 10 different kinds of pork, it felt like. I think it was like four. It was like sausage and bacon and ham. Um, and you serve it with rice, and it's just a super flavorful uh, pot of greens that was absolutely divine. So those are the two that I've been uh, – uh, the Food Lab is more of my reference book, and the Tony Tipton Martin uh, Jubilee has been my, my go-to for non-Ina. I'm my Ina cheat days, pers- as, as we said. <laughs> what are you having for dinner? Oh, my God. I actually don't know. Because this project throws me off a little bit because I try to eat leftovers – uh, I try to eat as many of the leftovers as possible. And I think it's probably, I think I've eaten all of my leftovers and all I have are shortbread cookies. So I, I, That's I, perfect. Done I and think done. that the meal will be shortbread cookies. Um, and maybe I'll make myself a little old fashioned for dessert. <laughs> I'm making tuna noodle casserole. Did, have you, did you see my post about tuna noodle casserole recently? No. <laughs> I, Did you just I po- post about I it? I posted about tuna melts, but I referenced tuna noodle casserole because it was it was the dish growing up that I hated. I I did not oh. like tuna noodle <laughs> casserole at all. Um, but I need to try your version. Like that's I need to. I I only had had my mom's version. Maybe I need to try your version. So the recipe's on the back of the uh, cream of mushroom soup. It's like old school, nineteen seventy five. I I will have to try it. That's a. I have to stick to my. I need to try things three times before I give up on them. I. It's more of a warm warm tuna so, thing. But then Ina's tuna melt was absolutely delicious. So maybe I'll give a a chance to warm tuna again. So Robin's on the stage. Robin, if you could unmute. Welcome. Hi, Robin. Hi. Hi. Sorry, my baby's crying in the background. <laughs> no worries. That's okay. Um, Welcome. I was wondering, what is your favorite go-to quick snack? I am obsessed with uh, open-faced tomato sandwiches. And uh, I just toast a piece of bread, uh, a lot of Hellman's mayonnaise. I am very particular about my mayonnaise. Thick slabs, and it's usually best in summer, um, but thick slabs of tomatoes. um, And then I love to put on Trader Joe's Everything Bagel Seasoning on top of that with a sprinkling of a little bit more salt. That's my my go-to snack. Um, If I could eat that every day, I'd be a happy boy. I know. I wish tomatoes were in season all the time. (laughs) I know. And sometimes I'll try it in the winter, and I'm like, it's just never the same. No, No, definitely not. I know. Well, we're coming up on tomato season. I know, and they're the best. We have some friends that are farmers and farm here locally, and they have amazing tomatoes. So always get, get really re- excited. Get ready. Do you have a <laughs> Do you have a favorite go to snack do I, that I need to try? Um, I think in summer I like making um, cold soups. 
really? Oh, yeah. And so tomatoes are, you know, perfect for that. I have you, um, if you haven't tried Ina's gazpacho. I that, haven't tried her gazpacho. I just make my own up. <laughs> oh, it, that's the, that's the joy of gazpacho is throw know, everything, anything anything you have. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Robin. Welcome, Terry. It took me a while. Sorry. Hello. Hi, hi, Terry. Okay. Hello. We'll wait. How are you? Good. How are you Here. doing? I am well. Here's my question since you said old fashioned for dessert, which I love. I thought that was a great choice. But <laughs> if you were to make an Ina cocktail, what would it be? And if not Ina, what? Do you like spicy? I love spicy. I love it all. Okay. Her jalapeno margaritas are very, very, very spicy. It, you can, you, so you soak the, uh, so you pour out whatever, two cups of vodka or whatever goes in the, because it's a batch cocktail, um, and you soak uh, jalapenos in them overnight. So you could adjust the spiciness of it by how long you soak. But it's my absolute favorite of all of Ina Garten's drinks. Um, Good one. Per- perfect for the summer. Cinco de Mayo is coming up. Um, I, I would say that's my go-to of Ina's cocktail recipes. Love that. I, I grow habaneros just for that purpose. So this is awesome. I'll try. So perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how, that's why I started a garden so I could have, um, weird cocktails, but I love that. And I also say a hard pass on the noodle, tuna noodle. <laughs> hard pass. Come on, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> no, raised, I was raised Catholic and boy, Friday's really just, I hated. I think that I think that I was raised Catholic as well. And I think that's what it is that yeah. like I had tuna noodle casserole, which I didn't love. Every Lent for 18 years. <laughs> oh, yeah. So so you're younger than me, but back in the day, it was every Friday. You couldn't eat fish. I mean, you couldn't eat meat. Yeah. So, yeah, Fridays were never a favorite, but I just love that you said that. And you said Hellman's was, was the mayo of go-to, and you are correct. <laughs> I, I will... I will, I will dabble into a Dukes. I, I had never had I had I had never had Dukes until maybe two years ago. And someone who follows me sent me some. And uh, I, I do enjoy Dukes, but I, I come from a, a family. My grandmother used to have a closet full of Hellman's mayonnaise. Um, so I, I think I'd be doing my grandma wrong if I ever switched brands. That is hilarious because my grandmother had the same because <laughs> <laughs> she would just buy it when it was on sale and just yes. like stock up on it. <laughs> I love that. It never goes bad, and that's what's a little disturbing. I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> you you, you, so you can have enough so mayo. Much. Thank you so much, Terry. Bye-bye. So if no one has any other questions, I'll wait a moment. Here comes Scott. Hi, Scott. Welcome. Hi, Scott. Listen Hello. to Scott's voice when he unmutes. Oh, come on. I'm not on my studio mic, so pardon me. I'm, I'm, Still I'm great. traveling out in Arizona today. And Trent, I was just looking through your Instagram feed. Yep. And on March 17th, on St. Patrick's Day, you have a lovely drink displayed there uh, where you're talking about currants and strawberry jam on scones. And I'm interested in the drink. 
I would let me. I, I'm gonna pull up my Instagram page because I'm like, what did I drink with that? <laughs> it looks like it's Campari and Dolan Vermouth, which is a favorite of mine, um, and grapefruit and tequila. See, this is so. This is my memory. My memory when I'm like, oh, I made that like two weeks ago. That was actually a, a very fabulous. Um, the Tigroni. Was that the Tigroni? Tigroni. That makes sense. Yeah. That would do it. Yeah, yeah. So, so swapping out the gin for tequila, and then Campari and sweet vermouth um, and bitters. That was a that was a very very good drink. Uh, are you a big fan of tequila? I am. Good tequila. Good. Don't give me good any tequila. Right, yeah. No. No. <laughs> I have a friend who is a tequila fancier, and he is going through like six hundred tequilas, like single malt scotch. And he goes, oh, wow. it's, you have to consider it from that kind of grade. It's not like the like the tequila with a worm in it like you had when you were in high school. You know, it, It's so true because I, I had written off so many different liquors because I was drinking the bottom shelf in college. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. And, and weren't we all really I, I've learned that I just love all liquor and uh <laughs> and I love all good liquor. Uh, <laughs> well, um, a good friend of mine was uh, the head of social for um, Patron, and that got me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> but I, oh, I could, I, I discovered Patron Anejo, and it was oh, Anejo Posado, it, and it was amazing. I mean, you can just sip that neat and be happy. It, that I have had that, and it is a fabulous, uh, fabulous. Um, I had always said that I was a, I hated gin, um, and then I had a slow gin, um, and that really changed my world. Um, and now I've actually drink decent gin, and that's what my martinis are made of now. <laughs> well, you're a man after my own heart. So tell me about your favorite gins. Um, we have been using um, Citadel. There's one Bar- Barnhill. Have you ever had Barnhill? No, I haven't. No. Uh, I believe it's Barnhill. My boyfriend turned it on to me, and they have a honey gin. Okay. Oh. Okay. I will let me. If you DM me, I will follow up with you because okay. that is that is the one gin, and they they have a couple different varieties, but that's the one gin that I uh, sip it neat. It's delicious. Like, okay. Well, you um, know what. You're about to get two because back in, oh gosh, I don't know, maybe January or February, um, High Clear Gin reached out to me. This is gin that's made at High Clear Castle, which is the shooting location for Downton Abbey. Oh, my God. <laughs> they make their own gin of botanicals that they grow in the greenhouses on the grounds of, of High Clear Castle. And I, I'm a bit of a gin snob myself, too. You know, I was I was drinking Plymouth gin before that, and I still do. Yep. yep. But um, as far as a martini and blending well with citrus and floral notes, I have yet to meet a better gin than High Clear Castle gin. High Clear Castle gin. It's in a beautiful purple bottle uh, with a with an etching of the castle on it. I mean, it is. If you like Downton Abbey, I mean, it's just it's like a trifecta. You, you get your gin, you get your TV show, and you get your flavor. So it's everything. You, you might have a new convert. And I actually, I found the, the, it's Bar Hill Distillery. Okay. Um, and it's in okay. Vermont. Um, and I, I, like, I've had, 
I know they, they might have three versions, but I've had their honey and I've had their regular. And uh, those are both that I, I, I sip straight. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much, Trent. No, thank you. And Terry hopped back I up on did stage. because you're speaking my speak now. <laughs> <laughs> I love all liquor pretty much and but it not in a weird you know but really appreciating it and yep. yes bar hill is phenomenal i love it i've not had high clear so that's going to be on my little shopping list i love um uh monkey 47 that's a good one but monkey 47 is delicious <laughs> it's really good yeah have have you had gin mare no okay <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of obsessed with it right now. It is a Spanish gin and it's olives, rosemary, I think thyme, lemon, and that is a pure sip. I mean, you can just sip, 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 and it's delicious. And it's really, um, I think they use it for gin tonic in okay. Spain, but you don't need the tonic. It's, it's really, really good. It's really good. So try that. I, uh, once I move, because I have, I, I'm, I'm uh, at a point where I'm like trying to drink down my bar cart. Got so I don't have, to, don't have to move with everything. But I think these will be the high clear. And how do you spell the, the gin? Mare, oh. M-A-R-E. Uh, I think those will be the two uh, purchases I make because my boyfriend's also a huge gin fan. So these will be nice housewarming uh, drinks for us. It, well, we're we're doing that. We're moving, but it's our liquor is ridiculous. So you know, Adam, not going to drink down. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I just love talking good cocktails, good drinks, good food. This has been a pleasure. Thank you, Susie. Thank you, Trent. Thank you so much. Thank you, Terry. So, Trent, where can we find you on the web and social media? Uh, I am available on Facebook and Instagram uh, at, at Storebot is Fine, um, or you can find me on www.storebotisfine.com. Well, Trent, this has been so much fun. Thanks for coming on Cookery by the Book Unplugged on Fireside. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Susie. I always have such a good time with you. And thanks, everyone, for coming. Thanks, everyone. If you want to be in the Fireside Studio audience where you can listen to Cookery by the Book Unplugged live and ask questions, DM Susie at Cookery by the Book on Instagram or email Susie at cookerybythebook.com for a free VIP link.